When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Following the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Welcome to another episode of Strange Planet, and we are now nicely ensconced in uh, the Christmas season. And I guess we go back to uh, the Victorian era when telling ghost stories at Christmas really became a huge deal. Uh, Of course, we're all familiar with Charles Dickens' novella, A Christmas Carol, uh, published in 1843. uh, but, But even before Ebenezer Scrooge and Charles Dickens... People would gather around the fire uh, in the Victorian era and tell ghost stories. For one thing, there wasn't much else to do with no electricity once it got dark. The other great thing was you didn't have to be particularly literate to tell a ghost story about the local ghost. And of course, once the Industrial Revolution got going and the the steam-powered printing press, uh, then all of a sudden, ghost stories at Christmas just really took off. And uh, we're going to continue with that tradition. Jim Harold, of course, among America's most popular paranormal podcast hosts. He's got the Paranormal Podcast and Jim Harold's Campfire and a number of others. He'll uh, update us soon about that. He's developed a loyal following over the last uh, well, more than a dozen years that uh, spans the globe. And uh, always a pleasure to have Jim Harold back on the program. Jim, how are you? I am doing well, Richard, and even better that I'm here with you in your audience. And let me wish you and your audience Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, just so uh, happy to be here. A highlight of my holiday season. Oh, God bless you. Well, Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. So um, at your house growing up, did you tell ghost stories at Christmas? Not at Christmas, per se. We told some spooky stories uh, from time to time, and I think I've detailed this on the shows with you before. A couple of those, I think, kind of indirectly led to my fascination, along with Leonard Nimoy's In Search Of, in all of this. So I can't say that we did it in in Christmas time specifically, but I think that part of that is, you know, in a way, it's kind of a close cousin— talking about family memories of the departed and i just i i don't know about you richard but i think that this time of the year our minds turn particularly of those who have reached a certain age as we have of uh, those loved ones who have passed 
So uh, maybe not ghost stories per se, but a lot of recollections of loved ones that passed and and bittersweet uh, Christmas uh, memories. And it's a time of year that you you feel, I think, closer to those on the other side and their top of your thoughts. I think you nailed it. Um, you know, I think while the origin of ghost storytelling at Christmas may have begun in the Victorian era, I think what you're saying now explains why we continue to to tell ghost stories. Because Christmas is, I mean, it's one of maybe three three times a year families that get, you know, they're all off and madly off in different directions. They gather, we take family photos at Christmas. And so it becomes kind of a, a, a time marker. Uh, we, we, we mark the passing of years uh, at Christmas gatherings. And then, you know, there's one less person sitting at the table uh, one Christmas. And obviously we, uh, we tend to think of our, our dearly departed at Christmas time and, and, uh, so when you, uh, do you do a specific, uh, on campfire, do you do a specific, uh, episode dedicated just to sort of Christmas stories, uh, we, stories and so forth? We try to, and we're going to do that this year. And what we do is we work in stories from years past, uh, plus a few, hopefully every year, a couple of new favorites. And, uh, so we do get, uh, Christmas stories on the campfire and it's always interesting uh, we, we get a wide range and uh, it's fascinating to hear the stories that people have to share it, uh, at the, at every time of year, but this, this time of year specifically. You have a couple from Seattle. Um, Sarah slept yes. over her aunts at Christmas and, uh, had an interesting little adventure. Uh, yes, yes. Well, the, the thing with Sarah was this, she, um, she, uh, her aunt lived in a really old farmhouse in upstate New York. So every year the family would go and gather together and visit. And one night, and this is why she was pretty young, a young girl, she, uh, she was tired. So she went off to bed a little early one night while everybody else continued with drinks and so forth. And then as she lie in bed facing away from the door and feeling uneasy without knowing why she felt a breath next to her ear and she heard someone say hey hey <laughs> so she pulled up the covers over her head and spent the rest of the night like that but uh, what happened next was quite the christmas memory next morning she mentioned her experience to her aunt and her aunt replied with a knowing oh that's the little boy and it turned out that the farmhouse was haunted by a little boy. And the aunt would see this little boy regularly when she was often cooking in the kitchen or see him playing about the house. Now, they didn't have the history of the house to know what, what caused that. But the aunt specifically said um, that uh, it was this little boy. Now, it's not a particularly Christmassy story, but it happened at Christmas time. But I guess the point is, particularly in these older homes, and that's why places like England and so forth uh, fascinate me so much, mm -hmm. is that in these older homes, you have these spirits now, whether they be residual energies, uh, or in this case, if it said hey to her, you would think that it was interacting with her, that perhaps it was more sentient, but uh, we see those kind of things. And uh, you know, it is part of the the picture, whether it's Christmas time or or, or any uh, any time at all. There's something. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't find um, 
ghost stories involving children, like really, really scary. It, there's kind of a bittersweetness to it, obviously, because it's a child and you know that perhaps that they passed at a very young age. Mm -hmm. There's also, I don't know, there's something kind of um, endearing about, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, it's one of the, I have to admit, you know, a lot of people get scared by the the demon stories and, and all those things. And certainly I think there are, we've had this discussion before, I think there are darker energies out there. Mm -hmm. However, to your point, I think the ones that, you know, tug at my heartstrings a little more are of maybe people who, you know, experts, and I'm certainly not an expert, talk about people who get stuck. And that, that is all, and we've had this discussion, that has always disturbed me, the idea that people could get stuck because like you, I believe there's, you know, a couple different ways you can go. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I maintain that belief despite all the spookiness. And uh, it's one thing to think that people come back and visit because maybe they liked a place or maybe they want to say hi to their relatives. I'm cool with that. The thing that worries me is this idea that people somehow may be stuck in a place because they don't know they're dead or because that they're surprised that they're dead because of a sudden death or they're afraid to move on because of certain beliefs or whatever it might be. And those are things that have been presented to me over the years. I'm not saying those are the real or not, but the, that does, I have to say, on a sad note, <laughs> yeah. on this holiday show, that's one thing that's always kind of bothered me about the discussion of the paranormal, the idea that, that people might be stuck. Right. Yeah. Especially as a child. I mean, that would be mm -hmm. so lonely thinking, you know, you're spending almost an eternity uh, away from your loved ones that way. Yeah. Sticking with Seattle. Now, this one is really uh, a Christmas yeah. theme because yeah. Janet stayed awake listening for Santa. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Janet from Texas. Yes. So, um, Anyway, um, Janet, her and her uh, sister shared a, uh, a bedroom when they were four and nine years old. And Janet was very excited on Christmas Eve to catch the sight of Santa. She heard her mom go outside where her dad was working on their Christmas gifts. And she heard a, a new sound in the house, a soft swish of a glass door followed by the soft jingle of a bell. She thought it might be Santa. She snuck out of the bed to peek into the living room. A man was on the couch reading one of her mother's magazines. He was bald and had fine wired glasses. She felt like she was seeing something she shouldn't and ran back to bed. Her mother came back in and she ran out to tell her what happened, only to get in trouble for being awake and messing with her mom's magazines. Her mom thinks it was a dream. Janet thinks maybe because this person was very small that it was an elf but janet swears she wasn't dreaming which is amazing to me and we've had a couple of stories like that where people have actually said that they've seen something that looks like santa or along that line and that they were fully awake now maybe you know santa has a lot of helpers out there uh i don't know but i thought that i just picturing him it's almost like a norman rockwell with the glasses uh, looking at the magazine you know saturday evening post probably not at this point <laughs> in juncture but you get the drift um so i do believe that christmas has a certain magic about it and who knows maybe some things are possible at christmas that we really you know don't understand and, and maybe it's you know, talk about the idea of tulpas and yes. things like that, the thought forms. Maybe in addition to the real Santa, of course, we all know is out there. Uh, but maybe 
maybe there could be thought forms sometimes, and maybe we can generate some Santa's helpers. It might be a kind of out there thought, but just as we do this grand thought experiment, maybe maybe it's another thing worth considering. Well, uh, I tell you, um, after doing this show, and I'm sure you feel the same way, so many years, I don't discount anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had a, an, an amazing conversation with this um, gentleman, Mitch Horowitz, talking about... Oh, yes. Do you know Mitch? Oh, yeah, I've interviewed him. Yes, he's great. I'm <laughs> I'm trying to get in touch with him for this latest book he just came out. But yeah, he's fantastic. Very yeah, interesting. You know, particles and, and how particles behave. Well, they're, they behave a certain way when they're being observed and measured. And mm-hmm. when they're not being observed and measured... Then all of a sudden they turn into a wave and yeah, there's, there's a total non-locality and I don't want to mm-hmm. get too, too uh, technical and scientific here, but uh, it, it just leads into this whole idea of um, like uh, hyper dimensions and a multiverse. And, and um, so when you look at the reality is nothing like we imagine uh, because we're made out of particles. And so do we have, lo- are we also non-local? And if so, then we can be everywhere at once. And, and that really opens up the, the whole, you know, ball of wax for just about anything really. Is well, people, people report that at the time of passing, they have a loved one and multiple people will report seeing that loved one at the time of death in multiple locations. Mm-hmm. And uh, or you look at something like twins, where one is in on the east coast of America, one's on the west coast. One, you know, gets in a car accident and has an abdominal injury, and the one on the west coast feels the pain. Yes, yes. I mean that, and, and this speaks to something, Richard. And we talked about this. I keep saying that, but we have talked about is I don't understand this stuff. But the one thing I think I do understand after not as long as you, but seventeen years of doing this is that reality is far stranger than we realize. And there's some other stuff going on that, you know, that rational, quote, rational explanations do not cover. There's some X factor out there. There's a lot we don't understand, much to that uh, discussion you had with Mitch. Yeah, I mean, the world, I mean, we see everything. We're prisoners of five senses. We literally are prisoners of five senses and they're they're pretty coarse. They're not fine measuring instruments, really, when you think about it. So, which leads me just to you know to to in, in summation of that story, who's to say that there's not elves, right. leprechauns, and and someone named Santa Claus that's an inter, interdimensional entity? I had a gentleman, uh, and this was very early on in the campfire, who said he believed he saw a leprechaun. And he kept it to himself for years. He was ashamed. This was when he was a kid, probably in the late 60s. And like he was having dinner with his brother of a comparable age 20 years later. And he finally broke down and said, I got to tell you something. You're going to think I'm nuts. You're going to think this is crazy. But when I was a kid, I used to see a leprechaun dance around my bed at night. And it happened multiple times. And uh, his brother said, oh, no, you saw him too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, again, was it a leprechaun? Maybe not, but maybe it was something he interpreted as a leprechaun, but no less real. You know, right. that's a that's right. a thought. We, we, we were talking about Santa Claus uh, earlier, and I've got a great story about when Santa Claus came through. Would you like to hear a story about Please. when Santa Claus? 
Okay, this is Courtney from Kansas. Now, when she and her twin sister were five years old, uh, Courtney had this favorite stuffed toy. I think most of us had them. I had a Curious George. Uh, this was a soft, lovely bear named Brown Bear that had a little music box in his ear. And one year it broke, a few months before Christmas. And Courtney was upset. The music wouldn't play, and uh, she decided that Santa could take Brown Bear to the North Pole and fix it. I mean, he had all these elves, right? Why couldn't he fix Brown Bear? Now, her parents said, you know, maybe you should consider a new toy. Is there a new toy you would like instead of Brown Bear? And she said, no, I don't want anything else. And they said, well, Santa's too busy to fix Brown Bear. And they said, no, I just want Brown Bear fixed. So anyway, she left Brown Bear Christmas Eve near the hearth so Santa wouldn't miss it. And a note explaining the situation. Very prepared, very mature. She left uh, Brown Bear there. She went straight uh, to the bear Christmas morning. Her sister went right to the gifts, but she went to Brown Bear. Brown Bear had been moved over to the couch. And uh, in a Christmas miracle, she presses Brown Bear's ear and it works. Now, her parents looked astonished. In later years, she came to the idea that, well, you know, maybe Santa had some help and they repaired it. Uh, her mom was really good with sewing. Her dad was very handy with tools and things. And she asked him, hey, did, did you help out Santa today or did you, did you really fix Brown Bear? And they absolutely denied it. They said that they were as impressed with the Christmas miracle as she was. And a day or two, and this has been a couple of years ago, she told this story, but a day or two before she came on campfire, she literally picked up the phone, called her dad and said, Dad, level with me. Did you help Santa? Did you fix Brown Bear? He said, absolutely not. Santa delivered a healthy brown bear and a Christmas miracle. Wow. Wonderful story. Wonderful story. Jim Harold is with us. Jim Harold's campfire available wherever fine podcasts are found. And uh, volume five of Jim Harold's campfire is uh, you got five volumes. I know I keep bugging you about this. I am going to get six next year. I promise. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hold me to it. Hold me to it. All right. Uh, Let's take a time out. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, Jerry from Illinois and uh, the furry angel. Back with more of Strange Planet. Stay with us. It's time to redefine reality. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Jim Harold, host of the Paranormal Podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire, executive producer, Unpleasant Dreams. Tell me about Unpleasant Dreams. Well, Unpleasant Dreams is a little experiment we've been doing with my eldest daughter. Uh, she graduated from college last year. One of the things she had was a minor in drama and always loved to do uh, drama. She was award-winning in the region. Uh, when she was in high school, so a little bit of biased, proud papa here, but she's uh, very good. And uh, we did an experiment where we did, oh, probably about 20, 22 episodes covering different uh, paranormal topics. And uh, we're going to do maybe something, you heard it here first, 
We're going to continue that show, but with a little bit of a twist next year that we'll release. But uh, it's nice to actually kind of produce a show that you're not talent on. And I use the word talent in my case very loosely. But uh, the point being that it's it's kind of neat and it's kind of uh, fun to do that. And I like to see her kind of spread her wings and use her talent uh, to to bring something new to the spooky studio here. Jim, you're always so self-deprecating. Uh, let's keep in mind your programs have been downloaded over 60 million times. I mean, you're in a in, in pretty rarefied company uh, with that. Uh, so we're talking about some wonderful, um, well, some not so wonderful, Christmas ghost stories and, and um, Christmas mysteries. Um, tell me about Jerry from Illinois and this furry angel. Oh, I love this story. This is one of my favorites that I will tell tonight. Um, Jerry was kind of like the female version of Ebenezer Scrooge. She was not a Christmas person. She said it was her least favorite holiday. And on one score, you couldn't blame her at all because she had had a, a very rough time this particular year. It was in the late 1990s. It was a couple of days before Christmas. And, uh, she was at odds for whatever reason with her family, not in touch with them. She had just uh, had what sounded like a bad breakup uh, in her relationship. So she was really, truly alone. She lived uh, in kind of what she called a sketchy neighborhood in Chicago in this uh, walk up. And there were nine units in her wooden structure. And uh, she was all by herself, and it was kind of like bah humbug. And you really, sincerely, uh, aside from stories, you have to feel for people who are alone at Christmas uh, and the holidays. And, and it is one of the most joyous times of year for many of us. But for many of us, it's one of the most depressing. So Jerry was in a bad place. So this was a cold Chicago night. Uh, she was standing inside her kitchen thinking these thoughts of doom and gloom. And suddenly she heard a scratching and her back door. And she thought, ooh, this is a dicey neighborhood. What, what's going on here? She opened up the door, and there was a beautiful dog outside. I think it was something like a golden retriever. Absolutely beautiful, looking at her. She asked the dog out loud, what are you doing here? And then the dog nudged the screen door open with its nose of its own volition and walked in like it owned the place. She said it was an absolutely beautiful dog perfectly manicured, perfectly groomed, no no fleas, no ticks, no mange. And, and again, it didn't look like a, in any stretch of the imagination a, a stray. It had a red collar and no tags. Now, the weird thing Jerry thought was, well, how in the world did this dog get up here? First of all, you have to walk up wooden, rickety wooden steps and, um, there were nine units in the apartment, and there were four doors, each to a different unit, and she was the last one in the series. So the dog literally had to walk up to these rickety stairs, go past all these other units, and come to her. She said that even people looking for her couldn't find her, but yet this dog found her apartment. And she said it was like having Lassie in your house. It was just a, a great dog. And she said, well, I've got to let this dog stay here tonight. I don't know who it belongs to. We'll deal with it in the morning. And it, it made her really feel good. It, it made her feel like she had a friend that night and somebody with her. 
And she said, you know what, I'm going to take care of this dog until the morning, and we'll figure out what to do from there, find its owner. They got along so famously, the dog slept with her in her bed. She said it is exactly what she needed at the time, and exactly what she would have asked for if someone had said, what do you want for Christmas, Jerry? And in the morning, she was going to take the dog to the Humane Society. That was the right thing to do. She thought, this dog belongs to somebody. It's too well-groomed. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to do the right thing. But first, uh, let the dog go out and go to the restroom and do its business. But she didn't have a leash. So she let the dog out, and the dog ran off. And she never saw the dog ever again in that neighborhood. Never, ever. Never saw it before. Never saw it since. She thinks the dog was far more than a dog. She thinks that it very possibly may have been an angel in the form of a dog that was sent there to comfort her because that's what she needed. And it made it one of the merrier Christmases ever. And I just, I heard that this is a new story. It's not even been on the show this year. We're going to put this on later this month. And I just got that. And it's just like, you know, I'm a dog person. That's like a lump in the throat story. It is. It is. I, we are dog people in this house, but we don't have a dog. We, I would love, I am so tempted to bring a dog home, but my mother-in-law would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I don't think our pet rabbit would be too thrilled either. Ah. You know, uh, I, I don't, I, when I see, I see, I, I could spend hours on Twitter um, watching all of these, you know, dog, uh, little dog reels, uh, a, a puppy befriends a baby duck, uh, all of these things. I could just watch those <laughs> forever. We don't deserve no. dogs. That's my conclusion. We don't deserve dogs. That's true. Uh, the funniest story, um, we have, you know, we have our two main stories and we have a nice little basement uh, that we, we do some TV viewing and stuff down. And uh, yesterday I was talking with a friend on the phone kind of late. It was bedtime. And my little dog comes down. My wife went to bed. My little dog comes down and he stops by the couch and he just stares at me like, what are you doing? It's time to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the cutest thing. It was like, and I know you probably, uh, being a dog person, have had this. When you have a dog and you're tuned in, you feel you know what they're saying to you. And I felt like he was just saying, okay, buddy, get off the phone and get to bed. It's time for bed. I, I thought that was so cute. Adorable. Adorable. Another quick time out. Jim Harold and Jim Harold's campfire. More Christmas ghost stories after this. Welcome back. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Well, we're telling some Christmas ghost stories here with Jim Harold, Jim Harold's Campfire and the Paranormal Podcast. And uh, how do we subscribe, Jim? Well, you just go to the podcast app of your choice and type in Jim Harold, H-A-R-O-L-D, Jim Harold, and also jimherald.com. They're always there, but uh, uh, pretty much it's so different, Richard. As you know, this has evolved so much over the years. You used to have to hook up all these cables and things, but obviously whoever's listening to us now is a podcast listener. Whatever app you're listening to this show in, just look for, look for me. You should be able to find me, and I hope you enjoy the shows. Uh, Adam from Connecticut, he, uh, he travels to an old house in rural Vermont to spend Christmas with his scattered family. 
What happened? Oh yeah, this is this is uh, the show. The stories that we really love and kind of harken back to on a regular basis. I call them campfire classics. This one probably goes back all the way to 2010, very early in the show. So Adam called in. And he mentioned, as you said, his family was geographically scattered across the East Coast. And his family uh, would regularly rent a, a big house in Vermont to bring everybody together and celebrate Christmas together over a few days. Sounds cool. Great idea. Um, now, they rented this house and there was staff. There were people working there, you know, uh, to assist and so forth. And they had heard stories of being haunted. So anyway, um, the way this was set up, you know, it was a bunch of different families. So the the folks with kids, like small kids, they got the bedrooms. So Adam and his brother were kind of, you know, sleeping where they could find a spot. And they were sleeping on couches. And on Christmas Eve, they just decided to sleep like in the main area of the house. And uh, so anyway, it's 2.30 a.m. on Christmas Eve. And he was sleeping in the main area of the house. And there's this grand staircase. And he woke up and he said he saw a tall figure at the top of the large staircase. And at first he thought it was one of the family members to getting, getting up to use the bathroom. Or Santa Claus, of course. Uh, the figure was perfectly still. And he realized uh, that it wasn't a person. It was just a silhouette. But by the look of it, he got the sense that it was wearing a tuxedo. Now, this thing walked slowly down the stairs. And this is something, Richard, I've heard other people report about seeing weird entities. He moved in kind of a herky-jerky manner, mm. like a puppet on a string. Adam thought, surely I'm dreaming. He rubbed his eyes, shook his head and realized he wasn't dreaming. And this figure goes down to the bottom of the stairs, and it kind of looks around like it's back home at last, and that it's great to be back. Kind of like, you. I mean, folks, if you don't see the video, you're kind of looking, and you're kind of, you know, when you get back home, and you're like, ah, it's good to be back home. Soaking it all in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And this figure said in a weird echoey voice to no one in particular, oh my love, what a mirror image we are. Wow. Oh my love, what a mirror image we are. Who knows what that means? And then it disappeared. Uh, Adam you know, couldn't figure out what in the world he just saw. So in the morning, they're all at breakfast and they're eating. And he uh, asks, did anybody see anything last night? And nobody had seen anything except for one uncle who said that a mysterious head poked into his room in the middle of the night. And that was the story of what a mirror image we are. And I don't know what that means. Now, I had put together the theory on the call well, maybe, uh, since this seemed to be kind of a grand house, maybe this was a wealthy person who once lived there and was at some kind of a Christmas party or some kind of holiday function, and it was kind of replaying. 
You know, that was my working theory. I don't know, but I love that story. In fact, we do, Richard, uh, something that I kind of copied from one of the radio stations I work from. We do a holiday ornament contest right. where people send in ornaments based on themes of the shows. And somebody did a beautiful ornament on this particular uh, on this particular story. But I love that story. That's one of my all-time favorite stories because it just it goes into that head-scratcher category. What in the heck does that mean? Yeah, I don't know, but it's amazing. And to me, the um, the mysterious saying it adds credibility to the story because it's not something obvious. It's something. It's a riddle. It's almost yeah. inscrutable, like what what that meant. And so, uh, if someone was making a story like that up, I, you know, they would be something more. They would say something. The ghost would, or the entity would say something more. You would expect. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's good to be back or, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever. Yeah. Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you sleeping on my couch? <laughs> um, Kelly in Washington was uh, spending the holiday. I used to, I remember being uh, away in college or university and uh, coming home at Christmas break and going back to my childhood bedroom and, and uh, you know, waking up there Christmas morning. It was always a great time. Mm -hmm. uh, Kelly from Washington did the same thing at her parents' home. Yeah. Um, yeah, she comes from a small town in California. And as you said, she travels back every year. And her parents put up a small Christmas tree on her bedside table. And uh, you had to push a button to, to turn it on. And one night she woke up a little bit chilly. So she readjusted her blanket and she just had this weird, sparkling, strange amount of static electricity. Now, being a campfire listener, she was thinking about whether static electricity could be triggered by ghosts. I wouldn't necessarily make that connection, but I understand. And there is some interesting stuff about people and, uh, and there's a name for it. And I know you know it. I can't remember where people walk by light poles, for example. And sliders sliders yeah they turn on yeah so so anyway she was specifically thinking about could this static electricity and we know there's a scientific basis for static electricity but could there also be some kind of paranormal link of some sorts just as she was thinking that her christmas tree lit up spontaneously untouched mm. <laughs> and it kept her awake for a few minutes then she fell asleep it was a pretty brief story but it got me to thinking about another campfire story and i mentioned this on the call from years back a woman who worked in a funeral home mm -hmm. and they had um this one lamp that they had this habit of turning on by itself there was just one thing i mean that's kind of weird but what made it even a little bit stranger was the light was never plugged in dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was so crazy. I, am, I am interested in this, um, it's electrical interference or something. Our friend Micah Hanks has written about it. Um, I forget what it's called, uh, ELI or something. Uh, listen, listen, there'll be a listener out there who knows what I'm talking about. But literally, some people can walk around uh, electronics or yes. electrical things and have an impact on them. Right, yeah. Um, now, this happened to me um, years and years ago. I used to uh, work very late at a radio station and I would walk home through this particular neighborhood and to get to my side of the, um, uh, of the city, I had to cross over a pedestrian bridge and it was lined by street lamps. 
And uh, for about three weeks straight, every time I, I crossed over, the, uh, this particular street lamp would flicker and go out until I finished crossing over the bridge, and then it would turn back on. Happened for about three weeks, and then never again after that while I lived there. Um, but they're called sliders, street lamp interference. Yeah, so like, street I, light it, interference. That's it. I said E-L-I, it's S-L-I. So. Yeah, or sliders sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and uh, again, it, it seems plausible to me. Now, there's even been studies done, and I don't have them ready to pull up, that some people have a negative impact on technology. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I tend to be someone who actually, there are many things I have negative impacts on, but typically, uh, and I'll say this and we'll lose our connection, but typically I have good luck with technology. Um, My wife, on the other hand, you know, almost any people, a piece of technology she interacts with, and she's a smart woman, she has a master's degree, blah, blah, blah. Um, She learned computers back when it was DOS, you know, uh, me too. Uh, so, I mean, she's not technically illiterate. I don't want to put that down, but she does seem to have ridiculously bad luck with technology. And I can take the same piece of technology and do the same thing. And it will seem to work for me. It's just a weird, weird thing. Hmm. Uh, sometimes people that have been hit by lightning will have, uh, that effect. I'm, I'm guessing Mrs. Harold has not, I hope. Not that I'm aware of. And I, I think I would be aware. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Derek in Florida. Uh, yes. What happened to Derek in Florida? Well, some people, they might call this the nightmare before, uh, Christmas, uh, with apologies to Tim Burton. Uh, when, uh, Derek and his sister were kids, uh, Santa, of course, would bring presents and they all, they both had a, a kind of a bad habit, I guess. They both wake up really early and sneak out to see what Santa brought. Now, one year, Derek's sister did this by herself. And it was very, very dark. And she was about six years old this particular year. She was looking at the toys, you know, amazed by the the spectacle of what Santa had brought her. And she looked up and suddenly she saw a solid black figure standing over her. And it had dimensions. It was not flat. You know, a lot of times we hear about the shadow people and they're like cut out of the universe and they're flat. Mm -hmm. Uh, This had dimensions. She said she hadn't seen the figure when it entered the room and it made no sound. She backed away, but then thought, oh, it's just Derek, my brother. But she looked into Derek's room and saw him sleeping and knew it wasn't him. She looked back and the dark figure was still there watching her. Now, I said it reminded me of the Grinch. The Grinch came to steal Christmas. Now, Derek says his sister, to this very day, and she's an adult now, she said it absolutely positively was not a dream. She said she was definitely awake, and the only other people in the house were her mom and dad, who were also both asleep. This thing moved. It stayed there. And then finally, she decided, I better get back to bed. And then they went on and had a normal, uh, a normal uh, Christmas and, and so forth. But they said that they had other paranormal experiences in that house, but nothing like that. That's the only time they saw something like that. So again, I think the most adults would say, oh, she had a dream. But again, you know, I have a hard time when somebody says, I really experienced this. I, I hate to say, oh, it was just a dream because I don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 um, 
for me, that's not easy to discount a story like that. Not easy at all. I can't just brush yeah. it off because right. as we, you know, we, we, we hear things, we know things, we learn things doing these shows uh, that just, uh, like I was talking about particles and waves and string theory and it's, 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 it's not that easy just to dismiss these things out of hand. I agree. An open heart, heart and an open mind. Um, Julie from Texas spending a, a picturesque Christmas in a small German town. Yes, yes. Well, this was kind of a fun story because it ties into a theme that's come up over and over and over again on Campfire over the last two or three years. Uh, this goes back to December 2018. Uh, Julie's husband was stationed, I believe, for the Air Force in Germany. So they spent uh, around the holiday time uh, going to these Christmas markets. She remarked how beautiful the German Christmas markets are. And they came across a little antique shop in one of these markets, and she decided to buy a cross pendant and a cute bracelet to give to her sisters, her two sisters, for Christmas. A few days later, she was packing up things to send to her sisters, and she found that both the bracelet and the pendant were gone. And she thought, oh my, I must have dropped them on the way to my car. She got them something else and moved on, kind of forgot about it. After the holiday, her husband later found both of them in his breast pocket. And they thought that was weird because they don't even remember him having them. But um, they said, okay, well, we've got them now. And she put them in a specific drawer so they wouldn't get lost to send the following year. And comes Christmas time 2019. She looks for them in that drawer and they weren't there. So she starts second guessing herself. And she's like, I know I put them here. I know I put them here. They're not here. Summer of 2020, they're moving from Germany back home to Texas, packing up. Their daughter helped them unpack when they arrive in Texas. They found the bracelet and the cross. Of course. <laughs> she put them in a jewelry drawer very deliberately not to lose them. She says, I have them and I'm going to have witnesses. She told her daughter and her husband. Christmas 2020. This time the bracelet is there, but the cross was gone. And this is where her mind switches to there's something else going on. Something is moving these things and it's not me. She ended up sending the bracelet to her one sister and a different cross to the other sister. A month before she called me on campfire, she was packing for a trip to Mexico. She packed very, very carefully. In Mexico, a vendor was selling beaded glass strings to hold up your glasses. Mm -hmm. She bought two of them, stuck them in a zipper pouch in her purse. Gets home, takes the glasses chains out, and tucked in the little ball of the two chains together was the original cross pendant. She said she put a chain on it, and now she wears it because if she... It clearly was a gift that did not want to be given away, her husband says. So she wears it, and it's supposed to be with her. And it reminds me so much, and I think we've all had that experience where, you know, you put something somewhere, you know where it is, and it just mysteriously moves. And there's something called jot. Yes. And we've covered this on Campfire quite a few times. I, I'm a little bittersweet about it because the author... Mary Rose Barrington, who wrote the book, 
She was, um, you know, I think we, she was quite on in age. She was, uh, as I recall, from Britain, and she was in the Society of Psychical Research. I interviewed her maybe in 2019, 2018, and uh, subsequently she passed, and then we started to get all these reports of jots. And I mention her every time this comes up, and I wish she would have lived to see the influx of calls that we've gotten on this phenomena of things moving for apparently uh, no reason. Now, again, that doesn't mean every time you lose your car keys that it's supernatural. I don't believe that. But in these extraordinary, weird cases, who's to say? Jot, just one of those things. Yeah. Wow. Jim, thank you so much for spending some time uh, during the Christmas season and sharing some uh, wonderful stories from Campfire. Well, it's always a pleasure, Richard. Uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year to you, your family, and all of your great listeners. Merry Christmas to you and yours. God bless. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. 